0: Hi, friends. You've arrived at the space in between. I'm your host, Deneen Sig. I'm an attorney, a mom, an author, an entrepreneur, and a widow. You are in the right place if you want to learn how we will navigate life's transitional moments, both good and not so good. Together, we will find the magic and bring the light to anything you are dealing with. Come sit with us in the space in between. Welcome back. We're here at the Space in Between, and we're back with Kelly. We're so grateful that she's here. My good friend Kelly now lives in Austin, but we met in New York, and our boys were both in fourth grade at the time that we met. There was this adorable little boy, and I was like, hi. And he was like, hi, I'm Drew. And I said, why are you outside the classroom? And he was like, got in trouble again. And I was like, doing what? And he told me something that didn't seem offensible at all. But every time I would see him, he was either sad, had just cried or was about to cry, but still had this incredible, like, adorable light about him and approachability and friendliness. And I just remember thinking, I love this kid. I don't even know him. And I was so glad when him and Cole became friends.
1: Let's just say when Drew was in kindergarten, he kicked a kid in the head. We talk about that all the time in our house. Drew is a great kid and a wonderful
0: young man. I would have said five years ago, Cole was a standard. But now I agree that Drew is. We talked about this recently. I said, did you remember how we met? And you weren't sure because you had been going through some trauma. Yeah, which we can talk about also. But it was the end of fourth grade. And you were walking on the hallway, which was like the fifth floor they were on. The school that our kids went to was an old armory building. And the stories were not little stairs. They were like, Almost two stories each. So when you went to the top floor, it's almost like you climbed 10 sets of stairs. And I saw you and you were about to leave and go down the stairs. And I was trying to catch up because I had a feeling something about you. And I figured out that you were Drew's mom. And then you were walking so fast, and me being a diehard New Yorker, I was like, she is outpacing me this one. And you were all business. And the only thing you were interested in is discussing how expensive summer camp was in New York City you were very interested in getting out of the school building to whatever appointment that you had, I think maybe with Matthew. And I was trying really hard to just say, hi, I love Drew. And you were, I would say, less than interested in me. And I just felt drawn to your family, I guess, at that point. And we've talked about this too. So the next time we interacted was some sort of function at the school and we were at a standing table. I thought it was like
1: somebody's club It was like a
0: parents' night. One of the parents owned a club. I thought it was there. I did do something at a parents' club, but this was definitely in the gym at school. They put high-top tables out. You were lucky if you found a little cubicle of oxygen in front of your face to breathe, because I remember it being so hot. But in this instance, I think it had to be some sort of talent show, Kelly. And we were in a standing table. And I remember we just started vibing and joking around. I don't know what was going on, but we were definitely having fun. And I remember our friend Jennifer came over and I don't think she knew much about you yet, but she was like, I want to hang out with you too. I think we realized at that point we were having fun. It was like a talent show, Jenny's dance. That's the part I don't remember. Did we leave and go have a drink together? Or did we make a date to do that again another night, another time? Neither one of us had our husbands there at the time. And I just remember having so much fun with you and wanting to hang out again. I know that we were also trying to figure out, do you have any recollection about when I became someone important to you or when you became someone important to me? Like, I have an idea, but I want to hear your thoughts on that.
1: I was traveling for work and I remember I was so sad because I couldn't come. I had to go on a work trip and there was a talent show. This was maybe the next year. And I remember saying to you that I wasn't going to be there. And Gray was performing, and you took all these pictures of my kid performing so that I could have them. And I just remember thinking, who does that? That's so nice. But I will say that I feel like the moment that really solidified our friendship was when I called you hysterical. Because I was struggling with a kid issue and I had no support and no partner and nobody to talk to. And I remember calling you and just being hysterical on the phone. And you just talked to me off a ledge. And we were moving soon after that to go back to Texas. And so I think while that felt like the point where our friendship solidified and I felt like you were somebody that would be there would tell me things I needed to hear, not necessarily wanted to hear. And that was like, right before we actually left to move back to Texas. And so I think the interesting part is that I think us being not in the same cities has even made our relationship stronger, because it just sort of grew after that. And I went through a devastating divorce. And it was having somebody who I knew was in my corner was incredibly Mm -hmm. helpful.
0: Likewise, I have a little slightly different memory of our friendship. I have a memory of me being so depressed with my circumstances of having a husband that was really ill. He was not at that time living at the nursing home yet. I remember it being freezing outside in New York City. And I remember somehow, some way, you were like, let's just meet. And we met at Whole Foods, a basketball court, and there was snow and ice on the court. But either it had melted or people had moved over. Some of the snow. And we're so happy to have a friend. And our two older boys just sat there playing, hooting, hollering, really freezing. And we got coffee at Whole Foods and sat on a park bench and just talked. And the boys had the best time. I left that Sunday coffee meeting, outdoor freezingness, just so renewed and uplifted by your ability to just sit on a freezing park bench with me, knowing that our kids needed to be out, but we both needed community. And we found it across from Whole Foods on a park bench. And I remember that. I remember other times us going through some conversations. And I remember when you had a place at the beach in Rockaway a few times. And just the first year you were there, I don't remember you talking about moving. But the second year that you were there, that's when you started really talking. And I was like, you can't go because you became in my mind, before you left, a very integral part of my life that I needed. We come to different things at different times. And I remember going out to Rockaway the week that you were leaving and just wishing to God that something would happen that would keep you there. And it obviously didn't. And it was your path to head back to Austin. And we had just started forming this really impactful relationship that buoyed, I think, both of us for different reasons. Again, as mentioned in another episode here, your ability to wade into the darkness with me. And I guess, based on what you said, possibly my ability to wade into that with you. Although I feel like I have not been as good a friend to anybody as some of my friends have been to me lately. And I hope to get back there where I really am delivering on my ethos of I want to help. I want to be there for people. I don't want to be this person that sometimes needs more than I give.
1: So what advice would you give to somebody who is trying to be a friend to someone who's in a space in between who's going through some shit?
0: I think it's literally getting down into the dirt with them. That's what you had an ability to do it in a way That never made me self conscious. So, if a friend is going through something, we all know platitudes don't help, but sometimes we revert back to platitudes. That's maybe our culture, the way we were brought up. But getting down into it with them and saying, I'm just going to sit here with you in this moment, or I'm just going to be here. I do remember trying to talk to other people. Do you understand what it's like to head into Thanksgiving with zero help? I had no family near me at the time. I had two small children who were getting bigger, but still not able to help me with anything. I didn't have, say, the services of a babysitter over the holidays. And I remember just being so incredibly jealous of people who even had their brother or sister nearby, or a husband or a wife that they could just call, or a mom nearby, because I didn't have that. And nobody understanding how lonely it was. It wasn't that you woke up and went, oh, I'm so lonely. It was that as the day wore on and you realized you needed a bottle of red wine, but you didn't have anyone to stay with the kids. For example, the turkey had to be put in the oven. You didn't have any ability to like get that wine yourself or get the sweet potatoes. So to have someone who was willing to sit in your space, whether it was a holiday time or another time, was so deeply impactful and restorative to my soul. If other friends hearing this could take from this Let me just be there for someone. Let me not offer to start a GoFundMe. I hated when people approached me with that. I didn't want that kind of help. Even though we weren't doing well financially, we had a roof over our head. We always had something to eat. And I always found a way to get the kids' extracurriculars taken care of. So I didn't want anything in the way of money. What I wanted was someone to say, do you want to just go and sit for coffee? And I think I would tell people that repeatedly when they would offer either to give me a gift card or I'd be like, you know what? Come and have coffee with me or take my kid to baseball for me so I can spend time with my husband.
1: It sounds like what you're saying is just being a listening ear can go so far and not trying to gloss over the messy.
0: Absolutely. That's perfect. We talked about like in the other episode, toxic positivity. Let's not inundate people who are already feeling so pressured to be positive. Let's give them a natural path to positivity. That's what I wanted to do for you. That's what I know you did for me. And that's what I hope this podcast does for people listening. Try to find your natural, organic path to some level of positivity and hope in every dark situation to find it. And you, for a lot of times, were mine. But what another person could take from this is when someone has a sick spouse, when someone's going through a divorce, when someone just lost their mom or something difficult, just let them talk about their mom. Let them talk about where they were. Don't try to change the subject because they're going to get upset. Let them be where they are at that moment and try to offer a good listening ear. And then maybe follow that up with is there anything I can do for you? Yeah, sometimes you could ask someone that. But if you know this person, we talked about this the other day. You know they love vanilla decafs, Just show up at their house or text and say, Hey, I brought an extra decaf for you today. Would you like me to drop it by or leave it at your front door? Would you like to meet me for a decaf? I'm gonna be at the place in two hours, so there's no pressure if that person can. Or I don't need you to respond if you're feeling stressed. Say you have a child that's terminally ill and you're in the hospital but I'm gonna be grabbing a decaf and a roll or a bagel or something, would you like one? I would love to drop it for you or even sit with you for five minutes. And you release the pressure on that person, but you're still giving them access to a kind human being, a kind heart. And that is so important. Again, I felt like in New York, I needed people to stop telling me how busy they were whenever I wanted to talk and to literally just talk. I so desperately needed someone to sit and just talk. And not sometimes for hours. Sometimes it did go too long. But sometimes it was like, hey, meet me for a drink. And after one or two drinks, I was fine to go home. I felt like a part of a community. I felt like a normal New York City woman or a normal mom who had a friend that met her for a drink. And so often people shied away from what I was dealing with. I had a couple of men actually privately approach me and tell me they could not Handle it. Like we were good friends. We had served on the PTA or other things, and we would have these coffee meetings ourselves. I don't think they were stay at home dads, but they maybe just had time during the day to attend some stuff for their kids. And then after Jonathan's diagnosis, what they started doing was avoiding me after the PTA meeting. They started not asking me how I'm doing or asking about the kids. And it was really troubling. A couple of dads found me and said, I owe you an apology. I don't know why I shied away from this. It was extremely troubling for me to see Jonathan's physical condition. One of them went so far as to say it is the smallness within me that I couldn't openly be there for you when you needed someone. And I appreciated his honesty because he was someone that was a deep thinker and someone that I really loved talking to and having our coffee after the PTA meetings. Believe it or not, the time had passed for him to be there for me was extremely restorative as well. Just admitting his, what he called his smallness and inability to be there for me in my darkness was extremely restorative. And I think fondly of him now instead of thinking sadly of him, specifically that one, like it was my failing. I ran from what was going on. And I wonder how many other women didn't like knowing that this could possibly be them. I felt like that with a couple of friends. It was almost like when someone told me about the pediatric cancer world, No one wants to jump on the bandwagon for kids' cancer because they don't want to think about their kid getting it. And I really didn't believe that until I saw it. And I saw people not really want to address what was going on. They wanted to get to the end of the issue. They wanted this really crass discussion. And I found people doing that sometimes with Jonathan. They wanted me to get to the end of the story that was never ending for me. It was bottomless in the depths of despair that I experienced. And people, Being slightly inconvenienced by my husband's dying and wanting me to truncate the story pissed me off a lot. When they did it with my niece, Danica, when she had cancer, and when they did it with me, with Jonathan, it was like, who the F are you to try to speed up my story for your comfort? It really started to be like a litmus test. Maybe that's another thing. Don't force the person to make it easy for you to hear. Don't try to elicit something from them that is not natural. If a spouse is literally dying with no hope for a cure or treatment, absorb that for a second and just let them be in that moment. It doesn't mean don't try to help. I remember one day you were like, let's go do manicures out of the blue. And I didn't have it planned out. And I think we both went back to school with wet nails because we were rushing it. But it was so nice to just sit there, have a glass of wine while we were getting either manis or petties or both. You weren't like, okay, be your best, show up, be your best Deneen, your bright Deneen, the girl that can rule a party. You were like, take this sad downtrodden version of Deneen right now and let's go do Manny Petties. It helped me to go get the kids and get them home and get them dinner because we had spent that time together. And it really made that dark moment lighter. Again, I can't stress enough how many times having someone help you find the light actually helps find the light.
1: We need more empathy in this world. And thinking about from a friend perspective, when you're with somebody who's going through something that's really hard, how can you practice empathy in that moment?
0: They need you to be empathetic in a way that you actually say, okay, if I was in this position, what would I want from this exchange? Again, we mentioned this on another episode, the Girl Scout rule, I would tell my girls, let's leave this classroom better than we found it. I always try to leave a person better than I found them let me leave this person better for having known me for having met with me for loving me in whatever way we interact with someone let them feel like wow i'm so glad i met danine i'm so glad i met kelly i have bumped into people leaving a restroom in a restaurant there are times when i'm just really not interested but i will say to myself if this was me during one of my darker moments would i have reached out to a stranger possibly i don't know but i will sit there for a time that i hope is appreciable by the other person where they appreciate and they understand I spent some time listening. And people have approached me and tried to tell me some really deep things. Whatever the question is, even though I might be on a date that I'm really enjoying and I want to get back to it, or I want to get back to my kids, I want to take a minute and do that for someone. And I really hope that this podcast inspires listeners to do that the next time someone might say, I'm having a really rough day. It seems In this world, we deem that person crazy that they're trying to reach out to a stranger. We talked about positive experiences. Don't come across a pregnant woman and give her your most horrific horror stories. People love to do that to pregnant women. Don't, because you know you didn't like it when you were pregnant and someone told you about their friend who lost their baby. No one needs to hear that when they're expecting an amazing time with their pregnancy. So I think if there's anything we could take from this is, Try to leave someone or something better than you found it.
1: I also have heard people say, get curious. Ask the questions from a curious nature. And I think those could be helpful things.
0: We just explored the credo in the prior session about how to be a good friend when someone's in the space in between. Well, I think what it boiled down to for me was leave them better than you found them, whether it's a three-minute interaction or a three-day interaction. An accidental happenstance where you bump into someone outside a restroom in a restaurant, for example, or on the subway if you're in New York, or at Hobby Lobby if you're in Texas. If you're at Target and you bump into someone who really seems to be in need, so I'm just pose the question to Kelly: When is an example in your life? And I'm sure there's tons because she's such an amazing person. But leaving someone better than you found them and being that sort of friend. And that goes back, by the way, to the old Girl Scout credo we've talked about before as a former Girl Scout leader that was ingrained in me, and I wanted to ingrain it in my girls for years.
1: Here's why I struggle with answering the question is because it's not necessarily about anything I'm doing. To me, it's just listening. And if the person wants advice or guidance or whatever, I'll give it. I used to always say to my mom, I don't want you to give me any advice. I just want you to listen because I just need to get something off. And so I think it's not really about me. It's about people looking at themselves. The power is really all in the people who are going through stuff. I will say, though, that I feel like I've gone through some tough shit in my life, like from childhood trauma to divorce. It sucked.
0: When you said that you must have been thinking something specific and all of those things that led up to it and followed after, what jumps out at you the most now about some of the ish that you went through?
1: The thing that still sticks with me is the divorce, that whole relationship. And I bring all this up to say what I do is just really rely on my past experiences to help People, if they're going through something similar, it may not be apples to apples, but what worked for me, it may not work for you, but here's some things I thought about because it may just spark something in your brain that will help you as you're making your way through or helping a friend. I say the reason I went through a lot of stuff is that it was hard in the moment, and I was not my best self a lot of times. But when I look back, I think, okay, that's why I went through that is to help this person or that person because they happen to be going through something similar.
0: And I think that you are uniquely able to dial into someone's pain in a way that is not exacerbating, but is truly helpful. So that's why I was asking because Grayson had the surgeries and she had to have a port put in. So here she is a 15 and a half year old who had to use a walker because you can't use crutches with a port because it goes under your shoulder. And I had another friend. She knew we had to try to go and say goodbye to Jonathan in New York. And so another friend then dug in and offered to come and get us at the airport. And I remember calling you because this apartment was amazing and beautiful, but the two bathrooms they had there were not sanitary. And Grayson was in a really compromised position. She wasn't even supposed to be traveling at that point in time, except for one doctor. Nobody else knew we were doing this, but I wanted her to be able to say goodbye to her dad. I either was hysterical calling you or texting you because I couldn't call the friend that got us the apartment because it was such a huge, beautiful thing that she did. But I didn't feel like we could even use the sink or the toilet or the shower. And the first thing you said was, let me see if I could find a cleaning person. You knew that I was so out of my mind trying to figure out getting Grayson's medicines delivered. Again, all of this without the assistance of her doctors, because. Most of them did not want her traveling because of her compromised immune situation. I was told he wasn't going to last much longer. So it was either she said goodbye to her dad and we risked her or she didn't ever say goodbye to her dad. And so I had to make that decision. But you right away were like, can we get a cleaning person there if I get one? Whether we were on the phone or it was text, you just immediately, Kelly, had an ability to say, when Deneen hangs out with me, I don't think you verbalize this to yourself. But I'm going to make sure that something is better in her world. I can't change that Grayson needs the port right now. I can't change that Grayson's dad, Deneen's husband, is dying. I'm going to find a way to help her get to the next step. So you kind of started trying to figure out, and we realized we couldn't get a cleaning person there. I think I went and bought some cleaning supplies and I just scrubbed to the best of my ability for a couple of hours. And it had to be that it was a big, beautiful apartment, Washington Square. I was extremely thrilled to have an elevator so she wouldn't have to try to walk with a walker. You did that. I know you've done it for friends. I know that you also live the credo of leaving someone better than when they called you or when they interacted or when they met you. That's why I asked. So even though you feel like you can't really come up with something, I feel like you probably have hundreds more examples than I even have in my life.
1: also say, though, because I'm a certified Clifton Strengths coach. (laughs) And so I know that my top strengths and the areas that give me energy are a lot of relationship building strengths like empathy and positivity and adaptability. And so I love that connection with people. It's naturally in just my DNA. I also have restorative up there too, which is all about problem solving. There's four domains that's executing. There's different strengths in executing, like how you get shit done. There's influencing, and it's all about how you influence people and projects and relationship building is how you get things done through others and work together. And then strategic is the big brain domain, which I have no strategic strengths in my top 10. It just really opened my eyes to think about where I get energy. But even if you don't have all of that and that doesn't come naturally to you, I just think going back to getting curious about what people need and what's going on and empathy and putting yourself in their place and thinking, what would I need at this and just doing it.
0: This conversation could go on for days, but I think a really good way to wrap it up is to say, like, my credo is leave someone better than you found them, leave something better than you found it. Along with that is what you just said, which is. Be able to get curious. I think if we could help anyone out there who is going through something, seek out friends who want that. Ask them, hey, can I talk for a minute? All I'm asking is that maybe you have some curiosity about my situation, or you be able to picture yourself in it. But I don't need advice per se. And if you are that friend that is watching someone in your life go through something really hard, what maybe you could take from this podcast is... Be curious, first of all, in a way that isn't intrusive. You ask questions that are only meant to see how you could help, i.e. Kelly saying to me, is it okay if I try to find a cleaner? Can I get them there tomorrow? Will you be in the apartment to let them in? Whatever those things are. To me, that's using your curiosity to come to a helpful resolution. And the second thing is maybe ask yourself, okay, Jessica just called me and she's really going through it do I feel like I jumped in in a way that I left her better just from this call, from where she was from when she made the call to where she was when we hung up? Even if obviously I didn't fix her whole life, I didn't fix the problem, did I at least leave her better than when she first called? And I think if you guide yourself like that as a friend of someone who's going through the space in between something very dark happening and trying to find the light, I think you will be able to help them if you are guided by some of these principles that we're discussing today. And obviously, you know, if you're listening, I hope that you'll reach out to us on Instagram or wherever you find us and share your tips and how you've helped leave someone better than you found them, whether it's that brief interaction or a really good deep friendship that you have over and over again. I'd love to hear about it. And I'd love to cheer you on for doing that. So thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to seeing you guys, hearing you guys, or you hearing us, next time on The Space In Between. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember that even in your worst days, there is always something beautiful. You just need to look for it. Until next time.